Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. First, a word from our sponsor. Get a practical nuts and bolts business education in just 15 minutes a day. Check out the $100 MBA show where business school dropout and successful independent entrepreneur Omar Sanam shares real-world lessons on starting, growing, and scaling your own business. On the $100 MBA show, Omar shares what he's learned over years of entrepreneurship, including building his own SaaS company from the ground up with zero outside funding. From book reviews to special guests and listener Q&A and more, the $100 MBA show offers lessons you can put to use right away, whether you're an established entrepreneur, a side hustler, or just someone with a business idea. So go and subscribe to the $100 MBA show on your favorite podcast app or check out 100mba.net. That's the $100 MBA show on your podcast app or 100mba.net. This episode is also sponsored by MicroAcquire. MicroAcquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace and it's simply the most efficient way of selling your startup when you're ready to make your next move. Typically, as a first-time founder, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you go through an acquisition. MicroAcquire wants to change that and empower founders when they're speaking with buyers and then really help streamline this process of getting acquired for the maximum price without any headaches. To date, MicroAcquire has helped hundreds of startups successfully get acquired and they have facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. If you're thinking about selling a startup, and then you might want to check out MicroAcquire. So go to microacquire.com to learn more. And now let's get started. There are a few proven ways for SaaS businesses to make money, and all of them revolve around subscriptions. Most SaaS businesses have a central success metric, and that's their monthly recurring revenue, MRR for short. It's calculated by just adding up all the monthly fees paid by your subscribers. And there are a few vectors that impact how the subscription model will work in a SaaS business. It's the pricing model you choose, the kind of business you run, and the reality of your target market. Let's start with the pricing model. Pricing is generally a very hard-to-solve problem within a business. Every day, someone will tell you to charge more, while someone else will suggest that you should lower your prices. Advice is plentiful and often completely irrelevant to your unique challenges. Instead of looking for generic guidance, let's look at what other businesses have successfully done and how it works. The first important metric to look at is called the LTV, the lifetime value for short. It's the amount of money you can expect a customer to pay on average from the day they sign up to the day they cancel. A few things here stand out. To increase the LTV of any given customer, you can either charge a higher monthly fee or ensure the customer sticks around longer. Someone who pays 100 bucks a month for three months is just as interesting as someone who pays 25 bucks a month for a year. But every month, a customer has a non-zero chance to churn to stop using your service. If your product delivers enough value for a fair price, customers might stay. And if they feel diminishing returns, they're probably going to cancel. So several factors go into your pricing model calculation, but here's the most common approach. Most low-touch SaaS business offer between two and three tiers of membership. There's a beginner tier for low-usage customers, a middle tier for most customers, and a high tier for professional users. 
Generally, the middle price is around 10 to 50 bucks a month, but this heavily depends on the industry you're in. Tiers allow customers to self-select into a pricing range that they're comfortable with. High-touch businesses tend to have a custom pricing that scales with the expected usage of the product, and it tends to start at $50 and can go into thousands of dollars. That's why many high-touch SaaS businesses start with a request for a demo. You can't tell people what their price will be if you don't know how much and which parts of the service they'll be using. Generally, high-touch pricing is higher per customer as there are fewer customers overall that a business can manage compared to a low-touch SaaS that can effectively serve thousands with all their automation and documentation. Another important aspect of your pricing approach is along which dimension you will charge. Most SaaS businesses price along something called the value metric, the core number that goes up for your customers when they become more successful. If you help publishers, charge more when they sell more books. If you help a beauty salon, charge per appointment made. Sometimes that means increasing prices when your customers want more of their employees to use their product. And sometimes you don't care how many people log into your software, but how many projects they work on becomes more important. Let's talk about the common subscription types. Start with freemium. Freemium offers the basic functionality of the product for free and then charges for professional use. Notion is a great example of this. The note-taking app is free in its basic functionality. And if you want to upload larger files or have fine-grained permissions or have a version history, you need to start paying. SaaS businesses like this usually have limits in place to prevent abuse of the free tier. Then there's the fixed fee. This is your basic SaaS, one price fits all. Basecamp offers its product at $99 a month. And while they also provide a free version, what is significant about its pricing is that it does scale with usage. No matter if you're a five-person shop or a 500-employee company, you pay 99 bucks a month. The more you use it, the more you save. And this could be very enticing to your prospective customers, but it also means that you need to be able to pay your operating expenses from your single fixed price. And then there's the tiered fixed fee. Most SaaS businesses offer tiers because they allow them to offer different levels of service to different kinds of customers. And even if you have a well-defined customer, you can offer to give them a choice and accommodate different budgets. And this is a very flexible pricing model that you can easily adjust by introducing new plans and retiring old ones. Then there's pay per seat. Instead of paying a fixed price, your customer pays for every person using the software. And this scales well with businesses that make more money the more employees they have, like call centers or sales divisions. For prospective customers with a value metric independent of headcount, consider that WhatsApp, for example, only had 35 engineers when they sold to Facebook and only has 50 engineers today serving a billion users, you might go better with another pricing scheme. And then there's pay-as-you-go. This model works best with usage-centric value metrics. The more your customer uses your product, the more you charge them. Every time they use your SaaS to render a marketing video, they incur a small cost. They can pay via credits or end-of-month variable invoices. That's fine. Just pay as you go. And finally, there's custom. There are outliers that either combine the models above or use a different model entirely. Some SaaS offer tiers that have limitations, which turn into pay as you go for anything above the threshold. Other SaaS businesses have tiered per seed pricing, like Figma, that offers different sets of features and then charges for every user within the organization along those tier prices. There are document verification businesses out there that require a minimum payment per month and then charge a small amount per document beyond that as pay as you go. Everything is possible. Just finding that value metric and the right subscription type for it is essential to understanding how much value you can deliver and how much to charge for it. 
It will involve quite some experimentation to get it right, but it's usually a good bet to start with a simple fixed three-tier pricing model. You can always complicate it later, but this is the most flexible starter option. The industry you serve also plays a huge role. A rule of thumb is that your prices should fit within the expectations of the people in your field, which usually means charging similar to the existing competition. Now, not all competitors are businesses just like you. Sometimes you compete with more general solutions like Google Sheets or a regular old pen and paper. It will require a lot of time-saving functionality and a no-questions-asked price to convince someone who has been using mostly free tools all their professional lives to switch to your paid solution. Most markets inherently understand that a good solution to a problem is worth paying money for, but other markets are hesitant to pay for anything due to financial pressure and a lack of positive experiences. As a podcast host, I have no trouble paying hundreds of dollars monthly in SaaS fees for all my hosting, marketing, and production needs. I know it'll come back tenfold in book sales and sponsorship deals, but when my partner and I built Feedback Panda, a productivity SaaS for online teachers, we learned that charging more than 15 bucks a month would not work, as most online teachers were already working a second or third job and couldn't afford such an expense. Budget and purchasing agency differ wildly between markets and actors within them. Who you want to serve and what they expect will heavily impact your pricing model. John Warlow wrote about nine kinds of businesses that lent themselves to a subscription model in his book, The Automatic Customer. And most of them are great candidates for a SaaS approach. I'm going to go through all of them. Number one is the membership website model. When you offer exclusive knowledge, resources, and services that people need on an ongoing basis, you can turn your service into a membership-based platform. A considerable part of this kind of service is the community within the platform and the information they collect and curate, usually in a highly defined niche. Several professional fitness coaching associations revolve around the monthly membership payment and then facilitate access to guides ranging from building a coaching business down to individual exercises. SaaS businesses will want to offer more than just membership in the community. And with the fitness coaching business as an example, just consider offering both a vibrant, insightful community as well as software tools that help them with booking clients or organizing their workouts. That kind of unique value proposition is where SaaS businesses shine the brightest. Secondly, there is an all-you-can-eat library model. Just think Netflix or Spotify. You offer a subscription to an almost unlimited amount of potential content or services, and your customer pays a fee for access. Whenever your offering is heavy on content, consider this model. This works particularly well for content marketplaces and platforms. Most online teaching services, such as Skillshare, create no content of their own, but they connect those who teach with those who learn. And Skillshare charges a flat monthly fee for access to all lectures on the platform and pays out creators by how much their work was watched in comparison to other creators. Their product is a discovery, hosting, and consumption platform for video content delivered through a browser. You'll find plenty of opportunities for such software platforms anywhere. The third model is the private club model. And similar to the membership website, the private club model focuses on creating a paid community. But unlike the membership site, private club businesses are often very high touch and create a highly exclusive offering. This makes them less interesting for SaaS businesses, but they can be great customer funnels for high value SaaS offerings through partnerships or affiliate deals. Number four is the front of line model. Usually, as part of a larger offering, SaaS businesses allow customers to pay a premium monthly fee 
to receive priority support or generally to better service than regular customers. Fixed-tier pricing models often include this as a differentiator. Regular customers get an email response within a workday. Premium subscribers get it within the hour. Salesforce, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, all these SaaS companies offer front-of-line plans for their support and implementation services. And this won't be enough to build a standalone SaaS business, but it can be a crucial component in your monetization strategy. Model number five, the consumables model. Some people out there are still reading newspapers, and many of them get them delivered to their home on a daily or weekly basis. And this is one of the oldest subscription models around, and it has prevailed to this day. E-commerce is big on subscription purchases, and giants like Amazon push subscriptions for consumable items like paper towels, toothpaste. Whenever you go to their stores, they'll try to sell you this as a subscription. And while this model isn't very compatible with software as a service, because most SaaS businesses don't sell tangible items, it's still fascinating to study the companies that thrive on it. The Dollar Shave Club, for example, used a membership model combined with delivering high-quality consumables so efficiently that they got acquired by Unilever for a billion dollars in 2016, five years after founding the company. The lesson about customer retention, the clear focus on their most profitable customers, and genuinely creating community among their users are worth learning and applying for your own business. Number six, the surprise box model. Similar to consumables, surprise boxes deliver tangible things to people regularly. Many puppy owners have new toys and treats delivered to their homes every month, keeping their dog entertained and happy without having to go to the pet store and pick from the many, many options there. Again, this might not be the most SaaS-friendly model as it involves items and packaging and logistics, but it hints at the deeply-seated human need. We will pay someone to make hard choices for us. And there are thousands of toys for puppies out there. I'd rather have someone pick and choose for me than spend hours doing research on something that my pup will gnaw through within a day anyway. In the surprise box model, you pay as much for the box as you pay for the surprise. Curation is the key to retention here. And that's something you can use in your content marketing efforts. Your SaaS will be extra sticky with your customers if you keep delighting them with hard-to-source insights and impactful tactics and strategies to get their work done better. Number seven, the simplifier model. This is the most likely candidate for a SaaS. Whenever you see a commonly shared problem that people experience all the time, there's a chance that they'll spend money to make it easier for them. I pay for dozens such services because of my work life and I want to make it bearable. The script speeds up my video editing. Notion keeps track of my thoughts and Hype Fury schedules my tweets while I sleep. Each of these tools makes a daily task more manageable and less time consuming. I have a very clear budget for this because it's affecting how much content I can reliably produce. And that's all there is to the simplifier SaaS, really. If you can create more value for your customer than you charge and by solving this validated problem for a validated audience, you have a business. And most software as a service companies work just like that, simplifier. Now, there's also the network model, and that can be incredibly powerful too. The more people use the system, the more interesting it becomes for a new prospect to join. Consider the phone network. If there were only 20 people around the world owning a phone, getting one wouldn't make much sense. But if everybody on the planet can be reached on their phone, it's a no-brainer to join. Setting up such a networked system can be a great business model. And WhatsApp is such a business. The more people have their Messenger app installed, the more their network can do. And while it's unlikely that your calm SaaS will explode in popularity like WhatsApp, it can definitely contain features that generate network effects. 
Allow your customers to collaborate and teach each other. Building a community around empowerment and exchanging resources inside your product can turn your simplifier SaaS into a robust networked simplifier business. And networks can leverage word of mouth marketing very effectively because it can reliably create win-win situations. Existing customers know that inviting new prospects makes their network better. And those new potential users get immediate access to all the accumulated knowledge of those who invited them. Win-win. Finally, let's look at the version of the simplifier model, the peace of mind, the insurance SaaS. Instead of solving a critical problem that occurs all the time, you make sure that when something critical happens, your customer knows that it's being taken care of. Backblaze for example, is a cloud backup service that allows you to stream fully encrypted backups of your computers onto their servers. You pay a monthly fee to know that whenever you need to reinstall your operating system or find an old file, Backplace will make it possible for you. You don't have to organize hard disks or ensure your backups are complete. Backplace takes care of that for you and they allow you to sleep soundly. And I run a similar service for authors who want to prevent link rot called Permanent Link. And Permanent Link monitors the URLs that writers put into their books, alerts them when they break, and automatically redirects readers to an archived version. And I built this SaaS solution because I needed it for my own work. Many other writers have similar issues and will pay for peace of mind. So there you go, business. Not all of these models are prime suspects for a successful SaaS business, but they're all compatible with software-enabled businesses. A community can have a SaaS product attached or vice versa. For example, Hypefury, this Twitter scheduling SaaS tool I use, has a community of like-minded marketers exchanging tips and tricks on how to build an audience. And MicroAcquire is a business acquisition marketplace with software tools for a successful due diligence process that they offer to everybody involved. It generally pays off to mix and match these business models. Any model you can successfully implement into your SaaS will strengthen your value proposition. If you can simplify someone's life while also offering them peace of mind should things go wrong, your product moves one step closer to becoming a critical tool that people will pay for for years. For a calm SaaS business, I recommend focusing on building something that simplifies your customers' lives because it solves this recurring problem reliably, builds a sense of community, and allows customers to exchange resources and empower each other, either within the product or outside of it, and promises reliability and stability that gives peace of mind to your customers. All these slightly different models of subscription businesses show that you can build long-term relationships with your customers for many reasons and in many ways. Your job is to find the right mix of problem, solution, and business model to then turn it into a viable business. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you'll find my books, Zero to Sold, and The Embedded Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course, find you following there as well. If you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.